I think we got to be careful actually with the examination of conscience because if we're not careful, it can simply be an exercise in ruminating on the past, on simply kind of wallowing in our guilt. And we want to keep in mind that sin always comes or temptation always comes in pairs, right? There's always the temptation to the sin itself. And then sometimes we give into that sin, again, whether it's overindulgence or it's anger or it's lust or whatever it might be. There's the temptation and the sin. But then after that, there's always the, the added temptation of, of the devil wanting us to despair, right? To be discouraged, to become doubtful of God's mercy, to maybe just want to ruminate on our own awfulness rather than to run to God's mercy, to ask for forgiveness and to step back into his will. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International. And I'm bringing to you today another conversation about this, our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for being with me here at the Coming Home Network. Again, if you're someone who's on the journey to the Catholic Church, thinking about becoming Catholic, or maybe you recently joined the Catholic Church, maybe you're in RCAA right now, uh, this is your network. We'd love to help you on that journey. We'd love to be praying for you and with you, answering any questions you have, and, and just being you know, fellowship for you on this continual journey. On this program here at the Coming Home Network, again, our our focus is on growing deeper in Christ. No matter where you are, no matter, no matter where we are in relationship to one another as fellow Christians, our daily task is to grow closer to Jesus. Again, we're here to share the truth and beauty of the Catholic Church at the Coming Home Network. That's what we're here to do, to help people who want to become Catholic. But we recognize that in, in our divisions, uh, we have to be patient with that process, patient with that process of, of bringing unity and healing wounds within the church. Um, so wherever you are, again, our main emphasis today is encouraging each other to grow deeper in Christ, to, to remain rooted in prayer, to keep getting sin out of our lives, to keep, keep turning our lives over to Christ more deeply. Um, we want you to become Catholic. We, you know, we want to share the truth and beauty with you. Um, but to, for today, our task is Jesus. Our task is to listen to Christ and to take just one step forward and leave the the conclusion to Him, lead the ultimate destination to Him. So uh, today, uh, the topic of our little conversation, our little reflection here, is memory. I've been thinking about. Um, memory in the context of the Christian life. At first glance, it would be a weird thing to say that memory is an important aspect of the Christian life, that, that memory is part of being a good Christian. But I want to break that open a little bit for you today, because uh, certainly in Scripture and in the, in the church, in the life of the church, memory in a certain sense, in, in a way, uh, having a right relationship with the past, with the events of our lives, with what's happened to us and how we've interpreted those events and those actions uh, is an important part of the Christian life. Now, I want to turn to my, my good buddy, uh, Joseph Pieper, in his book, The, the Four Cardinal Virtues, uh, for a moment to talk about this, the distinctions that we might make uh, between memory in the sense that we're talking about it and, and what we might think at first glance. So he, he makes a point. This is in this section talking about the virtue of prudence. And I think I talked about this a little bit a couple of years ago with my brother, Father Peter, when we were doing our series of 
episodes on the cardinal virtues in this show. But Peeper talks about, Peeper, not Peter, Peeper talks about memoria as this perfection of the virtue of prudence. Now, if you recall, um, the, the cardinal virtue of prudence is this, this, um, this cardinal virtue of the cardinal virtues uh, by which we turn to reality. It's the habit of converting, turning back to reality, uh, f- focusing on the real and trying to act and think in accord with the real. Well, Bieber talks about uh, a perfection of this virtue, a way that we grow in the perfection of our habitual practice of this virtue is in this, this concept of memoria. Here's how he describes it. He writes, memory here means more than the capacity for recollection, which we have, so to speak, by nature, nor has it anything to do with any mnemotechnical capacity, not, uh, not to forget. The good memory which enters into the perfection of prudence means nothing less than true to being memory. For the virtue of prudence resides in this, that the objective cognition of reality shall determine action, that the truth of real things shall become determinative. This truth of real things, however, is contained in the true-to-being memory. The true-to-being character of memory means simply that it contains in itself real things and events as they really are and were. The falsification of recollection by the assent or negation of the will is memory's worst foe, for it is it most directly frustrates its primary function to be a container of the truth of real things. So what, he's, what we're talking about here is not just whether or not you have a good memory, and thankfully, that I don't think is necessarily crucial for being a good Christian, for being a, a holy follower of Jesus Christ, to being the saints that he wants us to be. Because I have a really bad memory, uh, as everybody in my life knows, because I, I often make that apparent when we <laughs> begin to share re- re- recollections, and I'm like, wow, I just I have no memory of that thing that you're talking about. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is, again, our active relationship, our, our, our willful, our habitual relationship with the past, which with, with things that we've experienced, with things that we've come to experience and know to be true. Um, he mentioned some of the failures in, in memory, and he mentioned the, the falsification of re- recollection by the assent or negation of the will. Sometimes when we're talking about virtues or the perfections of virtues, um, it's helpful to think of their opposites. That kind of puts them in their proper light and, and makes sense of what we're talking about. When we, we, we've all had experiences where we sort of embrace the busyness of life because there are things in our life that we just don't want to think about right now. There are memories, there are perhaps there are duties or obligations or tough conversations that are hanging over us. And so we embrace the busyness of life you know, the frantic activity, because we don't really want to remember. <laughs> we're, we're actively, subconsciously, perhaps, trying to forget, right? We've maybe had, had experiences or, or known people who really do actively try to get forget difficult experiences in their past, trauma, you know, and that's an understandable thing, certainly. And I think we also know sometimes in ourselves, and perhaps we've suspected in others, that by the embrace of some ideology or some specific external narrative, people have invited a falsification of their memory of things, you know, their memory of other people, their memory of events, their memory of what they know about the world, because in their 
uh, or for whatever reason, they've embraced a certain ideology, a certain narrative, because they they want to believe a certain thing about the world. So they they choose to believe a certain thing. And in in these in these ways of failing in memoria as a as a perfection of the virtue of prudence, we can kind of begin to see what memoria is. Memoria, again, as a habit, as a virtue, is this active relationship of of trying to relate rightly to what we've experienced. I was thinking about this in terms of the Psalms. You know, we as Christians pray the Psalms, Catholics in particular, uh, in our liturgy of the hours, in the Mass, we pray the Psalms. And if you, you know, you read through the Psalms, there's a lot going on there. There are happy Psalms and sad Psalms. You know, there are Psalms of, of joyful jubilation and there are Psalms of despair. And part of what's happening in the Psalms as we wrestle with the psalmist, psalmist you know, on, on what's, what he's writing about, what he's recollecting, is it's a bit of this process of memoria. It's thinking back on what's happened in your life and it's, it's sort of asking this question, will I make this choice of faith to trust in God's providence? Right? All throughout our lives, we always have the option to, to decide what universe we believe we live in, right? Um, the virtue of faith, you know, to put our faith in Christ, to trust in Christ, means to believe he is who he says he is, to believe God the Father is who Christ says he is. We can say, it's easy to say with our lips, right, that God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-good, and that implies that nothing can happen apart from his will, either his, his indicative or his permissive will, perhaps, to make that distinction. But nothing happens except by the fact that God intends it or allows it in, in allowing a human free will and free action. But nothing can happen apart from him. Nothing can happen that surprises God. That's the way I like to think of it. You can't surprise God. And so if we believe that, again, it's one thing to believe that. It's another thing entirely to look back at the events of your day or your month or your year or perhaps even your life and make this active choice in faith to trust that God remains in control. Because if you make that choice of faith, you're going to interpret the same events very differently. And that's really one of these crucial, uh, crucial questions in play for Christian faith is that at, you know at every moment every day at the end of every day as i look back i have to continue to decide to trust god especially when i can't quite make sense out of events out of things i've experienced sometimes it's not till long after things have happened that we begin to see god's providence in play the ways that he was helping us grow the way that he was giving us grace the, the ways that he was working in our lives and there are maybe ways that this side of heaven, we won't fully see the meaning until the end. But that's this question of faith. When we look back at our lives, do we choose in faith to trust God? Now, consider with me for a moment, um, again, some of the ways, some of the more formal sacramental ways that memory plays into the Christian life. Uh, in, the, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, on the section on Christian liturgy, talking about the Mass, um, the Catechism discusses the Holy Spirit and the ways in which, in a formal, sacramental, again, God-ordained way, 
we engage in in memory and not just again not just thinking about the past but coming back into contact with the reality of God's action this is catechism let's see paragraph 1099 and the section heading is the holy spirit recalls the mystery of christ the spirit and the church cooperate to manifest christ and his work of salvation in the, in the liturgy primarily in the eucharist which again that that word means thanksgiving right and by analogy in the other sacraments the liturgy is the memorial of the mystery of salvation the holy spirit is the church's living memory the word of god the holy spirit first recalls the meaning of the salvation event to the liturgical assembly by giving life to the word of God, which is proclaimed so that it may be received and lived. And it goes on. There's a really a beautiful section there. It's well worth reading the whole thing. I, I won't read more right now. Actually, I will jump ahead. This is paragraph 1104. Christian liturgy not only recalls the events that saved us, but actualizes them, makes them present. The paschal mystery of Christ is celebrated, not repeated. It is the celebrations that are repeated. And in each celebration, there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that makes the unique mystery present. I find that, find that to be a really beautiful section, really beautiful explanation of the uniqueness of liturgy in the, in the Catholic understanding, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Eucharist, as this source and summit, this highest sacrament of sacraments, um, we come into contact, not with Christ re-sacrificed or recreated, but the actual living Christ. Uh, and so too, in the whole of the Mass, the whole of the liturgy, through our recollection, through our remembrance of the events of salvation history, we come into communion with those events. We're not just remembering them. We're not just thinking about them. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're connecting with them. We're, we're living in them. And in the aspect of the Holy Spirit's work in memory here is, I think, an important aspect, again, both for this big S sacramental sense in which we remember, we recollect, we do this in remembrance of Christ in the Mass, but also in the, in the small S sacramental ways, in our own practice of the Christian life, in our own prayers, in our own family traditions, in our own journaling or examining our conscience, that in a, in a less but nevertheless significant way, we are with, by the power of the Holy Spirit, connecting with God through those experiences. So I wanted to think about those aspects of the Christian life a little bit, because again, I think this is where the rubber meets, meets the road. We can think about this concept of memoria, of having a right, active, habitual relationship to the things we experience, but it's the actual habits and practices of our life that make that real. I think one really good example of it, I mentioned it a moment ago, is this concept of an examination of conscience. And of course, again, for Catholics, this is a, this is a real common uh, concept. Uh, it may be for some Christians of other traditions, but certainly throughout uh, Catholic spirituality, this concept is, is often touched upon. It, it is part of the, the liturgy, uh, the, the Mass, as well as liturgy of the hours. There are moments where the Christian is invited to examine his or her conscience, and that is to, to recollect on what has occurred, what mistakes have I made in the Mass, in the Confidior, the I Confess prayer, the, the Catholic praise, I confess to Almighty God 
and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts, in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do. And it goes on from there. But that's kind of what the examination of conscience is, at least a part of it, is, is this looking back and reflecting on certainly the ways that I have fallen short, I've failed. Now, something I've been thinking about lately, and this is one of the reasons why this topic of memoria has been on my mind and heart, is that I think we got to be careful, actually, with the examination of conscience. Because if we're not careful, it can simply be an exercise in ruminating on the past, on simply kind of wallowing in our guilt. And we want to keep in mind that sin always comes, or temptation always comes in pairs, right? There's always the temptation to the sin itself, and then sometimes we give in to that sin, again, whether it's overindulgence or it's anger or it's lust or whatever it might be. There's the temptation and the sin. But then after that, there's always the, the added temptation of, of the devil wanting us to despair, right? To be discouraged, to become doubtful of God's mercy, to maybe just want to ruminate on our own awfulness rather than to run to God's mercy, to ask for forgiveness and to step back into his will. And so an examination of conscience, we want to make sure, first of all, it's, it should be a regular practice of every Christian. And I think we'll, we'll understand more as we continue to think through this concept of memoria. But it should be the practice of every Christian on a regular basis. I think even daily is what so many spiritual writers have recommended. But it mustn't simply be <laughs> This opportunity to wallow in one's negativity and perhaps even to, let's say, dabble with the temptation to despair or discouragement. An examination of conscience should be focused on the Holy Spirit, should be focused on, yes, recognizing our faults and uh, repenting of them, asking forgiveness for them, but it also should be about this concept of memoria. And that is to, to remember, to attempt to make this practice of, with the Holy Spirit, looking to what has occurred, to attempt to derive the meaning of it, the lesson from it, the fruit from it, and then to carry forth into, into a life of repentance and conversion. An examination of conscience should always be kind of purpose, action-oriented, right? We should be looking back to what we've done wrong so that we can repent of it to God, and, and to you know, seek his mercy and to receive that from him, but also then to, to go and do differently, right? To, to sin no more, right? To repent and sin no more. So an examination of conscience should be looking back, but then trying to look at things through God, God's eyes, trying to see um, not just uh, the end run sin. I think sometimes when we examine our consciences, we just think of kind of the end of a chain of events that we feel really bad about. But if we follow that chain back, oftentimes we can learn a lot about our, our patterns of thought, our triggers, the, the things that set us off on this path towards real calamity, you know, or, or things that, that really are quite uh, bad, things that make us feel very bad. But if we follow those back, we can learn a lot about ourselves and about how we might do differently in the future. You know, if I, if I notice that uh, when I don't uh, get good sleep, that the next day I'm always snapping at everybody, well, I've, I've discovered that in obedience to God, I ought to care for my sleep schedule as best I can to help me uh, be a better husband and father and friend and coworker, et cetera, right? So this, again, this concept of an examination of conscience, 
um, it's it's looking at the past and it's again specifically um, trying to see things through God's eyes. It's wanting to make that choice of faith to interpret events in light of of God's reality. Again, I think it's so easy in the Christian life to profess Christ with our lips, but slip sometimes in our thinking or in our our actions, our habits, our lifestyles into a practical atheism, living as if God doesn't actually exist, thinking as if God doesn't actually exist, remembering the past as if God doesn't actually exist. And so when we when we recollect, when we look to what has occurred, we want to always perhaps even explicitly pray to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come, come within me and help me to see and interpret rightly. Help me to look to the past and to see rightly both what I have done wrong so that I can repent and derive the lesson and make a resolution for how to maybe change things uh, tomorrow, but also to, ref- to reflect on the blessings. Again, this is another uh, really important aspect of this practice, this habit, habit of soul, virtue of memoria, that we remember the good things the Lord has done. You know, throughout the Psalms and throughout, you know, the rest of scriptures, that's in this important theme that we we look back and we remember. We remember the good things that God has done in our lives. It's easy to forget those when we become discouraged. So often in the Psalms that the psalmist is specifically saying, Lord, <laughs> you know, my life is going so bad right now, but I remember the good things the Lord has done. And we too need to do that. Again, we we pray the Psalms to be formed in these patterns of thought, but then we have to actually do it in our own life. We have to look back on our days and our weeks and our lives, and we have to see the good things the Lord has done. So we reflect on the blessings of the past day when we're doing our examination of conscience. We think of those moments when we really experience God's presence, when we, by grace, were able to say yes to God's invitation and something really, some really good fruit came of it, we want to praise God for those things. It would be, in some sense, a, um, a, well, I don't know what to call it. It would be, it would be a, a grave omission, some sort of, of, of omission, if we only looked back at our own sins and we didn't pay much attention to God's blessings. That would almost be a weird <laughs> reverse sort of idolatry, you know using our sins as this occasion to just become hyper-focused on ourselves. So we look to the past, we reflect on the blessings, those places when we really did see, and maybe now only in retrospect, we really see God's grace at work in a special way. And we look back to those mistakes that we've made to repent for them, but also to learn from them so that we can proceed forward, trusting in God and amending our lives. So another you know, connected uh, practice might be might be journaling. You know, some people do that, and I don't I don't know if it's everybody's thing, but um, connected to examination of conscience, I think sometimes writing or retelling what's happened to you. Sometimes we we can't really derive the meaning unless we're we're talking it out or writing it out. And I think people journal probably for a lot of reasons, but that might be an important one to the Christian life. Is that I think for many of us, our thought process has to be somewhat external. We have to write it down. We have to talk it out. And I think sometimes when we're when we're looking back at more difficult events in our life, sometimes that external forum for our our thought process is is helpful as we as we seek to derive 
is we not just derive, we seek to discover the true meaning in the events of, of our lives. And we're not looking, it's important to keep in mind too, here too, we're not seeking for some esoteric meanings or signs or symbols. It's nothing like that. In fact, I, I sometimes think that those people who are looking for secrets and signs and symbols, these esoteric things in their lives or in, in, uh, in the lives of people around them, it's almost, to me, it often, I think it bespeaks actually a, perhaps a lack of faith in God as he is. Because once again, if he is who we believe he is, he's all-knowing, all-good, all-powerful, and there's no real accidents, right? There certainly are explicit miracles, but nothing really happens apart from God. And so there's always, as we look back at our lives, we're not necessarily expecting to find messages, but we're, we're seeing things in the context of a living, active, loving father who made us and who cares for us and who's walking with us. And so our, our moments of real grace and blessing, as well as those moments when we know in our conscience, we know that we, we chose wrongly, we said no to God's grace, all those happen in the context of God's reality. So again, we, we look back on those and sometimes I think writing those out for many people can be a helpful practice of, of sifting through them and seeing uh, the reality of God's grace uh, and our human freedom working together. Another thing I wanted to, to think about too in this context was our own conversion story, the own, our own narrative of our life. I think something that we've talked about here before is the importance in the Christian life of being able to share your testimony, right? Um, we're very familiar with conversion stories here at the Coming Home Network International. You know, we share uh, conversion stories every week on the Journey Home program. We're able to to interview converts and and hear their stories. We publish written stories, short interviews. We're all about storytelling. Yeah, but part of preparing to be able to tell one's story is one has to know one's story. One has to have thought through, looked back, and again practice this virtue of memoria to look back and to really again not looking back with an agenda per se, right? We really do want to be open to seeing uh, the reality of God there. We're not making this up. We're not making up our testimony. We're not imposing a certain structure on it. We're looking back and really kind of sitting at God's feet and looking for his, for his action. Um, and that, again, is this important aspect of the Christian life that we, uh, we look for God, we practice the presence of God in the present moment, that's always a part of our Christian life, but so too in our past, when we recollect on what's happened, we encounter God in, in our recollection of the past, you know, in seeing how things played out and recognizing where God is always at work, as well as those ways that we, that we fell short. So the conversion story, the narrative, I think, is, a, is connected to this virtue that as we, um, as we, remember as we recollect and we we see God and we practice telling it, then we, we're also, it, we're able to communicate it better to others as well as to ourselves. We're able to remember in our own hearts uh, the reality of God's saving action in salvation history, but also his ongoing active presence in our lives. I guess one final thought, and this is connected again to the conversion story testimony, uh, is that we as Christians, we need other people, I think, often 
to practice this virtue. It's very easy. It's very, very easy when we're discouraged, when we have experienced very difficult things. It's very easy to begin to not want to remember, to not want to think about what's happened, right? Um, or even to give into the temptation of the, this falsification of memory, to to allow ourselves, perhaps even to choose in our in our anger and our frustration, to see things in a negative light, to see things that have happened to us as if God doesn't exist, to begin to choose to interpret things in this negative or pessimistic way. And we are aided in that or um, or helped to avoid it by the, the decisions we make about who the, the people that we spend time around, right? We can spend time around people who by their their words and their attitudes and their example always pull us back to that negative, pessimistic way of seeing our lives, you know, the way of seeing our present, the way of remembering our past, the way of considering our future in, in God. We have people who discourage us, who who steal our courage by their by their words and example and make it easy to give into that temptation. On the other hand, we we have all known people, we have people in our lives who when we are around them by their words, by their story, by their actions, by their example, by their attitudes, they help to remind us of the good things that God has done. They rem- they help us to rem- remember why we we chose to follow Christ and all the ways that he's touched us and all the ways that he's guided us as we've put our trust in him. They helped us to remember those things, especially when we would otherwise be tempted to forget them. And so, you know, Christian fellowship uh, is such an important aspect of, <laughs> of memoria, this, this right uh, relationship with what has happened to us, this, this true-to-beingness of memory that it's not just uh, merely a passive capacity, but it's an active practice. When we pray, when we reflect, when we examine our conscience, when we tell our conversion stories and our testimonies, we are practicing memoria. We are practicing seeing uh, in what's happened to us, in the events of our lives, the hand of God. And we're choosing to recall the good things that the Lord has done. I think that's all I got for you today. Um, so hopefully some of that was was helpful, that thought process. I'd love to know what you think, again, of this concept in general of memoria as part of the Christian life, as well as the big and little sacramental ways that we engage in it, both in the, the sacraments, the liturgy of the church, as well as in the, just the little aspects of the Christian life, the, the examination of conscience, journaling, reflecting, sharing our testimony, uh, sharing uh, the events of our lives, uh, the, the memory of the good things that God has done with fellow believers. I'd love to know what you think about all that. Uh, but today, this has been uh, Deep in Christ. Again, we're at the Coming Home Network International, and we're here to help you if you're thinking about becoming Catholic. Uh, if you check out chnetwork.org, we've got a whole archive of resources for you, as well as uh, people to talk to. Uh, we've got uh, people you can contact here at the network, staff members who'd love to talk to you about your journey, who'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear you share your story and re- reflect on the good things that God has done in your life. But we'd especially like to, to be here with you and pray with you uh, as you consider the Catholic Church. We want to share the truth and beauty with you. Um, but we're also patient with that journey. You know, we most, most of all, uh, day to day, we simply want you to remain close to Christ, to remain rooted in prayer. We trust that if we keep our eyes on Christ, 
if we do everything we do in the name, the holy name of Jesus Christ, that we'll continue to be led forward in the right direction. So, hey, I'm praying for you. Please keep praying for me and for my team here at the Coming Home Network International. I'll be back next week with another episode of Deep in Christ. God bless you.